Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello and welcome to Voice of the Church. I'm Pastor Ryan Swale, and today we're going to look at just a few verses toward the end of the Song of Songs, now what many take to be the key to understanding this whole book. A Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, where it says, Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, and jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. I had the privilege of preaching this passage for a wedding not long ago. I did uh, something I don't usually do at weddings. I began my sermon with the story of a young bride dying of cholera just before her wedding. There was a a young lady named Nancy Thornwell engaged to be married. This is back in the 1800s. Her father was a Presbyterian pastor, and as her pastor, he had the privilege of announcing the upcoming wedding. Only in the weeks that would follow, Nancy contracted cholera, and the wedding would instead be a funeral. But as Nancy was on her deathbed, her father came to her side, stricken and overwhelmed with grief, and he cried out in anguish, Oh, my daughter, what a tragedy this is. We're supposed to be celebrating your wedding. To which young Nancy replied, Do not weep for me, Father, for I go now to a far greater groom than I am prepared to meet. And not long after that, they buried Nancy in her wedding dress with the words on her grave as a bride prepared for her groom. Nancy understood something that is important for us to understand, that marriage is not ultimate, but is a shadow of something else. Or to use the words of our passage, a flash or a spark of the divine flame of God's love in the gospel. God's love is ultimate. Marriage is penultimate. It's a pointer to that heavenly marriage to the greater groom that either you or I are prepared to meet. And what this passage towards the end of the song does is teach us three aspects of marital love that point to God's love for us in Christ. The bride here speaks of faithful love, fierce love, and fruitful love. And these three things, when present in earthly marriages, paint a picture of the greater love that the son of David, of whom this song sings, has for his bride. First of all, she speaks of a faithful love. She says, set me as a seal on your heart and on your arm. That's 
covenant language. That's the the sort of language that we uh, sometimes use of baptism, that it's a sign and seal. And she's asking for an outward seal of his inward affection for her. Something like a wedding ring. Malachi 2 calls marriage a covenant, and, and she is saying this covenant, these, these covenant vows we've made need a sign so that you and everyone around us will know that I belong to you and you belong to me. She's looking for a sign of his faithfulness. His faithfulness that she says is to be as strong as death. That means it's to be irreversible. Just as death is final, just as death is irreversible, so the love signified and sealed on his arm or on his finger is to be irreversible till death do us part. It's not a simple contract where he just remains with her as long as she continues to provide for him some some service, but it's a covenant. And in this covenant relationship, his faithfulness to her is unto death. Even if and when they grow old and she may have nothing to offer. And in that way, his faithfulness to her, even when she has nothing to offer, even when she appears undeserving, pictures the faithful love, the greater than Solomon and son of David, of whom this song sings. Who loves us despite our unloveliness. And next she speaks of a fierce love. She says, jealousy is fierce as the grave. It's a passionate love, one that will not tolerate rivals, but is rightly jealous of anything that may drive a wedge between them. Like the the jealousy of which the Ten Commandments speak when it says that, that God is a jealous God who does not want us worshiping graven images. There is a right kind of jealousy when a relationship is to be exclusive. And I would say it's not appropriate until that relationship is exclusive. But once it is, there is a fierce love forsaking all others. A fiery passion that we see described in those words, a flash of fire. I believe it was Bruce Lee who called marriage, friendship caught on fire. A passionate love that starts as a flame and matures into these deep burning, unquenchable coals that we see here in Song of Songs 8, and is so deep and unquenchable that nothing can stop it, nothing can drown it out, nor would anything be traded for it. But it says, if a man offered to give you all of the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. In comparison to your bride, everything else is to be despised. One Puritan said, none but the love of God above it and the love of all others beneath it. And when there is that fiery, passionate, fierce love where a husband and wife do not merely tolerate each other, but are affectionately desirous of each other, the fierce passion of Jesus is foreshadowed. A flash of the very flame of the Lord that took him to the cross because he so loved his bride with a love that is stronger than death. That's what this passage is teaching us. Faithful and fierce love like that is a flash of the very flame of the Lord's. 
The other thing we see in this passage is that it's also to be a fruitful love. As it speaks in verse 5 of her waking him under the apple tree, that same place where her mother was in labor with him. This idea of uh, fruitfulness, both in the, the apple tree that is mentioned and the, the labor that is mentioned, this idea of fruitfulness speaks of the purpose of marriage as being outward looking. Not merely about gazing into the eyes of another, but about living together in fruitfulness and blessing to the world. Much in the same way that God's love for his people throughout the Old Testament overflows in blessing to the nations. And his love for his bride in the new overflows from her, like in those words of Revelation 22, where the spirit and the bride say, come and let everyone who thirsts drink freely and find satisfaction in him. Marital love in the Bible patterned after Christ's love for his people is to be faithful, fierce, and fruitful, overflowing in blessing to others. Not a selfish love that only wants to take. Not a fickle love that only wants to be faithful when it's convenient. Not an apathetic love that is indifferent, but a faithful, fierce, and fruitful love. And the Bible says when that love is lived out in Christian marriages, the story of the gospel is dramatized. Where Christ is faithful to his bride, even when she is unfaithful. Where he is fiercely passionate, such that he would trade not only all the wealth of his house for her, but the glory of heaven to die on a cross. And fruitful, such that when he gives us himself, he does so that we might have life and have it abundantly. That as we abide in him, we might bear fruit, overflowing in blessing to others. That's the sort of love this song is commending. And it points us to Jesus, whose faithful love to his people is the only thing that enables us to love like this. And so if you're listening today and you, you find yourself thinking, wow, I could, I could never be faithful like that. I could never love with that kind of godly passion or, or outward looking desire for my marriage to be a blessing to the world. But, but actually, I'm, I'm quite selfish. That selfishness that you see in your relationships is a little microcosm of the selfishness and sin in your heart from which you need to be saved. And the good news of the Song of Songs is that the love that's depicted in the spark of marital love is the love of Jesus who came into this world to die for those very sins. As Martin Luther said, to take you in your impurity like a harlot and unite you to himself so that Christ's royalty and righteousness might be yours simultaneously justified yet sinful, a harlot by heart and a queen by status. That's the story of the gospel. The only solution to your sin and then the pattern for you to live in light of. Loving faithfully, fiercely, and fruitfully to the glory of God so that something of Christ and the church might be seen in your marriage. That's the story the Song of Songs sings, the story of the son of David and his beloved bride. 
Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.